I'm Seamless. My name is Wyatt Troy. And I want to welcome everybody to Behind the Duh. We interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level to get inside their heads, gather the best information, and then bring it back to you. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our new YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. If you have any artists you would like to see come on the show, or if you have any feedback in general, you can contact me at Wyatt at musicandstuffllc.com. So to get you started off, get you in the deep mindset, do your best to try and answer these ageless questions, all right? Dope. Question number one, why do we put round pizzas in, in square boxes? It's easier to ship the boxes when they're deconstructed to the, to the pizza places. Is that really the reason? That's usually why things are square. It's harder to make them rounded, obviously. It's more manufacturing cost, but it's also like, think about a, a spherical object. Like you, if you stack a bunch of spheres together, there's empty space in there that you're wasting. Shipping wise, space and weight is king. So the square stuff wins. Oh my gosh. We're off to a good start, man. This is good. Are onion rings just vegetable donuts? Vegetable donuts. Yeah, I guess they are if you think about it. Donuts are fried, so are onion rings. So yeah, they are. Which one's healthier? Onion rings. And then kind of the deepest, the deepest question of the three, which is if there were two people who could read minds and they read each other's minds at the exact same time, would they just be reading their own minds? That depends a lot, a lot on how you classify quote unquote reading a mind. To be perfectly honest, I think the best anyone could do is just what whatever current electrical stuff is doing, which is like not kind of like an all you thing. That's like a only what we're kind of thinking about right now thing. And I would think personally, if you were the kind of person who could just read that in somebody, you had enough experience to kind of compartmentalize that away from yourself. So it's more like like you're holding a phone up against someone else's phone and just going for no reason. You ready to get into the really deep stuff, like the beautiful things? How are you doing today, dude? I am doing excellent. That's fantastic. Your studio is looking amazing as usual. How's things in the studio? Well, it's a carefully orchestrated ruse that this camera angle contains only the stuff that isn't a complete trash pile right now. How often do you clean your room? Whenever I do a video. If it takes a long time to do a video, like it gets bad. Diving into the deep end. Seamless is joining us today for Behind the Daw. You know, just from the, the questions, the silly-ish questions that I've already asked you, you already gave some really fantastic answers. So now that we're going to hop into the deep, serious questions, I can only imagine where this is going to go. Seamless, why do you do what you do? Why do the YouTube channel? Why do music? Why do anything that you currently do? Okay, well, the why music question is basically just because of my parents. My dad especially. His whole family, his uncles, all his people, they were like the kids in the garage in a band when they got there in the 60s, you know, like those kinds of people. And like he grew up and like to become a programmer like my mother. And that's why they know each other, really. And my dad and my parents, my mom decided that it'd be a good idea that I be uh, doing piano as a kid. Um, just as a thing that kids do. I was kind of good at it, but like I hated it. I can't express to you how much I hated it as a child practicing piano. Like I didn't see a goal to it. I didn't really feel like I was doing it. But like they made me do it a half hour a day. So I did it. And like I went to competitions. And the idea is, is that I got kind of like familiar and I also developed pretty decent chops just from essentially like just a thing I did. Actually creating music for myself didn't come into play until high school. I went, I went to a performing arts high school. It sounds like I was kind of intending to be a, a person who was going to be into like producing, but I went to a performing arts high school as a, essentially a last ditch to get out of the Agawam public schooling system. Leveraging my piano chops was kind of a, hey, I can do this thing yeah. kind of deal because even though like it wasn't a thing I wanted to do, I, it was something I could do. Eventually got me into contact with what they refer to as the Paideia. Other schools have like vacations in between semesters. We had this thing where you spent uh, like a week or two doing just one thing all day for the whole school day. Like this is just the tip of the iceberg for how ridiculous my high school was. Let me just tell you about that. The particular one that I chose was called Electronic Music Production. And like that just sounded cool. So I went to go do that. And that is where I discovered FL Studio 3, still called Fruity Loops legally. And that was my introduction to being like, I can like be in control of music. How cool is that? Instead of just playing it. And that was why I got into doing like producing. This was 2004. All right. The point of that is that this was before YouTube. YouTube didn't exist until 2005. And that meant that as I was trying to learn, there was just nothing out there about how to do any of this stuff. And like, it took me a long time to learn about really basic things. Like I joke about how it took me eight years to learn how to use citrus. And like, that's because no one told me like the squarest one about how FM works. And like, it's really not difficult things, but unintuitive things. And no one out there knew how to talk about it. And the people who did, did not want to because it was an edge. 
like Noisia quite famously was very tight-lipped about their sound design and would at least say like either they didn't know how to do what they wanted to do again or that they should not tell us because it would ruin our creative capacity to do better things. That was a thing they said. That's fine if that's their opinion, but it still kind of pissed me off as someone who just wanted to know how to do it so I could do the better things like from that. That was like, that was always my goal. Years and years and years later, I actually kind of fell out of doing electronic stuff. I basically kind of gave up on it. I was like, well, I can't figure out the sound design. I can't figure out anything about it. So I went into metal. Also like film scoring. I really wanted to do big epic stuff. I got really into like Rhapsody of Fire and like Demu Borgir and that kind of stuff. And I really wanted to be like hardcore as epic symphonic stuff. And so suddenly I got chops in like orchestration and like trailer music and that kind of thing. And so I, I have 11 guitars. <laughs> I don't need 11 guitars. I have 11 guitars. Some of them are basses. But the, the point is, is that I got that so that I could have good because shreddage didn't exist back then. And like there was no really good fake guitar sound so I like had to get a guitar if I just wanted a guitar sound in a song. That's where I got my guitar chops. Around that time was when I started to use Harmer. And Harmer is a plugin, if you're unfamiliar, that uh, can do this thing called resynthesis, where it breaks audio down into its additive molecular harmonic components to reconstruct it as something that you can control like a synth. The dope thing about this is like the core of what was dope about the 2004 to like 2007 like hardcore drum and bass sound design was this concept called resampling. That was mostly driven by the limitations of hardware a and also like computers back then because like we can just have a chain of like a thousand EQs doing whatever we want now but like back then that would have killed the computer so if you wanted to do that you had to render your audio and do it again over and over and over and over and over again and that was what that's for sampling and that was what made some of the coolest sound design at the time resynthesizing with Harmer changed everything because then you could suddenly do stuff to it that would take just so much resampling just instantly and then you could resample it and you it got real far and real deep and suddenly I could do all these sounds I wanted to do I wanted to do pretty much all this stuff that I just given up on because I thought it was too hard. And I was like, this isn't how any of this stuff was done. But this is just such, this is so cool. And I was just struck by this, like, people must know kind of, like, vibe. I was like, I have to tell people. And I, I made, I made like, a crappy little video about it. It was the first How to Bass video, but it wasn't called How to Bass. It was just called, like, FM and resampling in Harmer or something like that. Like, what the topic was. But it was funny because it got popular. Like, uh, ImageLine blogged it on their Facebook page. And, like, that, that's where, like, a lot of my first subscribers came from was them being like on their 400,000 like Facebook page. They're like, here's, here's this cool bass video. And I'm like, suddenly I'm like, "Mm," big time people came in and I made another video and like, I realized that I could make this joke if I called it how to bass two bass harder because of Die Hard because I like Die Hard a lot. So, but to do that, I had to retroactively name the other video how to bass. (laughs) And so that's where the how to bass series was born. And like at this time I had not planned at all to be like a YouTuber. Like I had done, I had accidentally made a really popular Minecraft video once because it was about note blocks. Like a year later this suddenly with popularity with the how to bass videos, it's like, okay how do I do this on purpose now? And like, at first it was weird if you go look, if you go look at those videos I don't sound like I know what I'm talking about like, I'm all like dreary and like, like I'm talking to you now like I'm all animated and stuff and those old videos I'm like, hi I'm seamless. I have this video I'm going to talk to you about, about this bass and it sounds it was bad, it's bad stuff, but like like, I learned quickly that it could be as bad as I want if I had the stuff that people wanted to know about. And it just kind of weirdly worked out at that time. This is like 2012 now, 2011 10 kind of thing, that I just happened to have the right stuff. I had the stuff people wanted to know about. Eventually, I got the hang of it. But, like, it's, it, it's also pretty characteristic of the stuff that I do, that a lot of my, like, best business decisions were not decisions made by me, but were stuff that just kind of happened. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing that now. Making sound design tutorials on YouTube was one of them. Another kind of weirdness was that I was still trying to make music. I was still trying to like be in a metal band and like be a perf- like I wanted to be a producer and like sell music and do the whole touring thing. But that was not where things were going. And I, I had this weird little crossroads where after I had made the track Bass Antics, because I had made this track called Dreams of Bass after years of doing metal and not listening to electronic stuff at all. And it sounds weird and doopy. But then like I was like, okay, I gotta go reference a track and like I go listen to Feed Me stuff. And then I come back and I make Bass Antics. And people started to get it when Bass Antics happened. And I was like, okay, cool. But but like I listened to that and like it sounded like it sounds bad to me. It still sounds bad to me. Like it sounds worse now because it's old. But like even back then it sounded bad to me because that wasn't what I was trying to do. 
I was trying to sound like a whole bunch of other stuff, and like I just couldn't quite get it. But like my attempts to get there were apparently enough for other people. I didn't really get that at the time, and so my decision was: if I can't be that good, I might as well not try to be a musician. But hey, people want to know about this stuff, so let's use it as a teaching tool. And that's where I started like selling projects and doing the hat, the, uh, the the making of and that kind of thing, extra content about like the actual projects themselves, yeah. and like that is another kind of like accidental business thing that has turned out to be something that I couldn't have planned if I tried. A good example about how that works out now in modern times is like I can put up whips on my YouTube page that I was kind of working on and they can get more views and more action and thus pay me more than actual released full done songs of mine. And like I could like, you know, also finish the songs and release them and I'm gonna for a whole bunch of them. But like even the ones that people hate, that them being there hating it makes me money. Like how weird is that? How do you like like, that's not something that like I think about a lot, and I guarantee you they don't either. But like it means that I have a weird freedom, and uh, it'll still work out. Especially because I'm using it as a teaching tool. People don't have to like my music; they can like what I, uh, how I talk about it. It's not even really a necessity for them to even like the genre, if, if they do or not. So where you're at right now, you know, it kind of sounds like you basically have like these two, these two sides of the spectrum of where your career has been. One has been on like the musician side; you're actually like creating music. The other side is you know you actually teaching it. So on the spectrum, do you balance? Between between the two or do you live in somewhere in the middle or are you kind of off to one side? It's more like I just kind of float around in the middle and allow the byproducts of that to be teaching elements, whatever they may be. Like I tried to, I tried to like go hard on the teaching thing and like make a regular schedule of like how to basis every Friday and like these streams all these times, whatever. And like, it was fun doing that, but it was hard. It just as, just as it is to make regular music, it's hard to be creative on demand like that. It's hard to like always have good ideas. And I, I definitely repeat myself a lot. And so, of the, the more modern how to bases and like that was getting untenable and in the old days i used to just make a how to base whenever i came up with one it could be it could have been like three in a day or it could have been one a month and like that's kind of where i am now where i just sort of only do a, a new like kind of piece of educational content if it's something relevant and good and like every one of them because i really don't like putting out crap huge reason i, w- I was gravitated towards being like i need to tell people about this is because like so much could have been changed about the musical landscape by decades if this information had been available publicly at the time and there were people who knew it the technology was there and it was all just about having the creative edge in like a competitive music scene that people barely even knew about in the grand scheme if you think about it like this is all niche stuff like we talk about it hardcore like it's our life because it is but it's not pop music it's not really like like metal's not very popular or very like it doesn't make a lot of money like edm as like an umbrella thing kind of is but this is back in a time before the word edm was even used by anybody so like what does that tell you about what could that war even made even sense back then so like i i made the content as if like if i were teaching myself like if me back then wanted to have learned this stuff how would i have wanted to learn it how would i have wanted it to be presented to me and that's always been my guiding like principle towards how my videos are structured which is why i speak 40 miles a minute and tend to gloss over strange ideas <laughs> the kind of the overall vibe that i'm getting from you is that you wanted to know this stuff you know whether it was about synthesis or about this or about sound design or about that you know it could be about technically anything but it absolutely infuriated you that it wasn't around like no one was talking about it no one wanted to talk about it and you're like i don't want other people to go through that i want people to know what this stuff is and i want to do it in the most logical fashion possible is that what i'm getting from you well logical perhaps the difficulty is that like a lot of the stuff that like is the game changer for these things is not is not intuitive business like the way that fm works at its core when you really explain it to somebody it doesn't make a lot of sense like in the way that if you didn't know about that like because as a result is not really like a one way fixes all approach to kind of like teaching a person how this stuff works. Like a lot of people function well with like hands on showing us, showing it. Some people like written down like a manual kind of thing. Some people like the videos. I was I was doing it the way that I did it, the way that I wanted to present it to me, because that was the only way that I could ever have been sure that it would be at least a little bit effective. Like and that it would have worked for someone who was like me if that was if that person should ever exist again. And because that was the only way I could guarantee that there was a perspective that it could be met that could be met with the information that it needed. Otherwise, I was just like, I didn't want to do like the hyper produced, like there's a, here's the menu go on. And like a guy just wrote reading stuff that might as well just be a textbook because that does not work on me. It does not <clears throat> help me. Like there were tutorials even at the time when I started doing this, like in particular, there was one that did actually teach me about FM. That was also just the worst tutorial ever. And it was popular. Was it from Dubspot? Yeah. And like, I, it was bad with Chris Petty. It was, it was the Petty test. It was like, here's how to sound like Skrillex and kill the noise. And here's how to do all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm ready. I watched it. And like, he did the thing ultimately, 
like he did show me that if you found a tone by a higher tone to put it together on the fundamental that it sounds like a monster but he did it with a sine wave and it sounded nasty it didn't sound like anything like he promised and i i, I walked away with that with like eventually knowing that oh yeah if you modulate the volume of the modulator it changes the intensity of the fm which i actually didn't know before watching that video but like if i had known anything about fm when i had seen that video i'd have been mad and it just it's it's real funny that like i managed to get that like really crucial piece of information out of like a really hurt my video soul when i eventually tackled that topic myself i made sure that my like examples were in any way and it's, that kind of stuff is also why i tend not to name drop people like you don't tend to see like i had a sound like skrillex and like i did the 75k thing but like stressing abundantly that it was just me trying to sound like it not that i did no one who has ever promised that stuff has ever like matched what i wanted from it i do not like doing that even though it's been pointed out to me that like i could probably get close enough that i could do that and it would actually increase my views if i did because that's how that's again talking about the unintuitive stuff how else do people know how to find what i'm doing like how else they don't know how to ask like what is a, f a filter fm like post modulation and, and fma I know how to find what i'm talking about but if i if i slap on a like this is how you sound like that one track that you like a lot like that they would have been all over that i would have been like number one in the search terms and that would have been like a career right there uh, i just i can't though like because like the, the, the disappointment that i i felt like every hundreds of times i did that was just it's too much to inflict on anyone else at least when i started getting into tutorials i would search by certain person like how to skrillex or how to bass nectar or whatever right but you you veered off from that i mean you, you did have the the 75k thing but for the most part you veered off from that but you're the poster child for electronic music tutorials at least from my experience from the people that i've talked to from what i'm getting is that you just was like, I want to teach the way that I know that I would learn and let's just see what happens. You know, I don't want to do this, you know, how to Skrillex, how to do this, how to do that. I just want to teach things that are interesting to me in the way that I am interested in explaining them. And from doing that, you became one of the biggest music production tutorials or tutorial channels ever. Is that correct? I mean, am, am I right in assuming that? It was slightly more complicated than that, but basically, yeah. The weirdness was that when I started, I started doing exclusively advanced stuff, and it was always stuff that I basically had just figured out. So it was like the freshest possible in my head. And I come in here, and I'm like, guys, oh man. And I, I think that a lot of people gravitated towards me as a personality as much as like as a conveyor of information. And that weirded me out when I first realized this because I realized this when people started asking me to do basic stuff. A whole reason I didn't even touch basic stuff ahead of time is because there are already billions of channels out there that all do basic stuff. Because of course there are. Like it's the easiest thing to do tutorials for. And if you want to do a tutorial thing, then why not begin at the basics? And so I, I was like, I, I don't need I don't need to repeat, you know, the universe. So let's go do advanced stuff. And like people, but people were just used to how I said things. And they, they needed that to be the way that they got conveyed basics. And like that, uh, it worked, you know, I did basic. And like, I'm actually planning on doing a whole new FL basics for the next FL. So like, I, it's interesting that that's part of the career now too, but it wasn't something I planned on. And that like, not for nothing, like the current FL basics for FL 12 is linked in the FL 12 manual. So like there's like the FL zero to hero, the very first beginning of that is like my, one of my most watched videos ever. Mm -hmm. And it's, I get a reputation from like the noobs and, but from also like the high level producers from, from people who know that like all I've ever done really is the advanced stuff. And that, that was a perfect storm that I also, again, could not have planned if I tried having known you from the advanced stuff, the seamless sauce that you sprinkled on your videos and the way that you explain things, they wanted you to take it back to the simple stuff. It's like, dude, he explains these advanced things so well. I now want him to explain these simple things to see if I can, if I truly understand, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And like, ultimately it, it turns out that like uh, the blocks that people tend to have when they're like, I need to know X are like step one stuff. And it's not to say people are stupid. It's that the stuff again, is not very intuitive, but it helps them to then run through the stuff. And cause then like I show them the stuff that they generally would miss I've absolutely missed because if people are usually self-taught and that's what happens when you're self-taught is that you miss you miss fundamentals and and like some clear as day stuff uh, i'll tell you a story uh, I, I again something else i didn't expect at all out of that out of just the weirdness that happened with that um a partnership i had with that one guy when i started a, a label one time i offered lessons that was the first time i offered lessons and i didn't really expect lessons to take off because from to my perspective and even now everything i know every single thing i know 
exists in a video somewhere on my channel. Like you can go find it. There's nothing like if you're that kind of person, you can go dig through that. But that's not really everybody. There's also 1,200 videos that are not terribly well organized. So I can get that. And so suddenly, one-on-one tutoring is worth a lot to people. Like back then, I charged twenty dollars an hour because I didn't know what I was worth, and I did the lessons, and all of them, every one of them, were all basic level. Like it's a super saw kind of thing. Like it's a super saw with a filter. Nope, that's a super saw cord. That's also a super saw. That's a super saw lead. And like the story I was about to say about like a particular student I had who it was a Skrillex song. I'm like okay, here's a sound design from a Skrillex song. I'm like all right, lay it on me. And that's like okay, it's the lead. I'm like and it's in this one. I forget the name of the song, but it's the one where the lead's like kind of like up there. And like it's just a saw wave. It's not even a super saw. It's a saw wave with volume automation. That's what's doing the thing. And like in vibrato, nothing, not a thing. And the only reason that person didn't know that is because they literally never played a saw wave high enough to know what that sounded like in their head to pull that information out. And like, if they don't do that kind of stuff, how could they possibly know? Like, it's all like a reference and contextual and like an experience thing. It's super hard to pull that off and to, and like a and like a on purpose kind of way. As a result, a lot of my like students are people who are missing the fundamentals. And I, it just it's not even like a like this is so amazing thing. It's more like a, there's a tremendous educational problem in the entire world when it comes to this stuff. It's only really just starting to get solved like now, like in the college level. Like when I when I was going to college, none of this existed. There was a there was a sound design like half major at Berkeley College of Music. That's about it. That's what it was. That was it. And like now there's like whole colors for like just this that's just just this stuff. So like, you know, they're getting there. But like people's whole like uh, the way that I view it really is that like I don't think a person's career should be held back. Their creativity should be held back by like basic information like this. Because like as well, I want all of like the weapons like I've had high level producers tell me that I'm insane for talking about how like some of the high level stuff I do because that's stuff could have made me millions of dollars and i'm just like but what what how much more awesome this could be made when the person that i teach to do that does something that i could have never considered because ultimately i want to hear doper stuff you have no desire to incorporate the the mindset that was you know in the early electronic music days and the the which was you know hey i figured out how to do this sound or this type of technique and i'm going to hold it close to my chest because of the novelty that i have with it you don't do that at all you're like no dude when i learn something it's going out to everyone because i think that spreading the knowledge ultimately is going to help people innovate it and get created into new knowledge that can come back to me and i could you know it's kind of like a recycling thing right is that what you're saying pretty much like some of my students have come up with stuff that have taught me like uh one of my one of my guys uh gave me a technique that was um a kind of a splitting mode because like i taught him i taught him about fm and about the wave shaper and fl and then he comes back like a week later with this whole check this out i'm i'm doing a fx split on polarity so like the top polarity is getting one chain the bottom polarity is getting the other chain so it's putting the waveform horizontally and they're getting processed differently and then getting reconnected like like a freaking zipper and like <laughs> I, I heard the stuff he did with that I was like that's insane I would never have come up with that and like that's the kind that's what I want out of life because like very few like something else that like a lot of a lot of people who are new in music they tend to think that like the high level the highest level like ultra headliners are these like amazing engineers and some of them are and plenty of them are but the stuff they do is not really amazing engineering it's just it's dope it's fun I'm not against any of it at all but it's just not difficult is all i'm saying yeah. and like i however like relish the difficulty like i have hardware obviously i relish the difficulty it's like so so for me personally i, I you don't need to be you don't need to go as hard as it is the whole point is what i'm saying but like i'm still gonna i kind of did this to myself what i'm about to say which is that i am not very impressed by a lot of sound design here anymore even from like the create the people who like made me come in to be a person who loves the sound design like the people who brought me into this kind of thing like it's not really their fault it's my fault because like i spent like a decade plus drilling my head into the hardest stuff i possibly could so like of course i've figured out not necessarily all of it but at least the large swath of the most popular amount of it and it's mostly because of of, a, of an issue with innovation now that i kind of see i see like a lot of it in like a large scale and i'm not gonna say this was like a goal of mine i'm not like i'm gonna take over the world and innovate all the music it's like i just like see that as a kind of a consequence that like the more ammunition that gets put out there the more like stuff that's going to come up with it and eventually i might get impressed again and some of the most impressive stuff i have heard has come from people who've sent me like when i did the viewer track review streams has come from viewers so looking at the totality your your career you know we'll use an umbrella term what has been the absolute 
hardest thing that you've had to go through? Kind of a realization that the top sucks. Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. All right. So I, I want to preface this by saying that I am not the top. I am nowhere near the top. I am not even close to the top, but I have seen the top. I have seen some people who are from the top and they have told me of the top and the top sucks. The top is not for artists. I did the, I did that four part series on my channel about music business and like some of the, one of the things I touched on uh, is that like success, like top level success, like being a headliner in ultra has nothing to do with your music. And which is not to say that like you can have bad music and do it. You still need to have good music. It's just saying that like at that level, everything is good music. Everything is good because Every, good is easy because the, the music is easy. And that means that like the actual competitive edge anyone's going to have is going to be in everything but the music. And that means that like if you're going to be some crazy business sharky guy, then you're going to do fine because the music is done and said for But that's what's left is that you need to be that kind of like business cutthroat to kind of like just to have the leg. And I really didn't want to play that game. Let me tell you, like, and it's because I suck at it. Like one of the reasons why my channel works is because I am dealing with like engineering facts. I don't have to worry about like opinions about people liking what's happening or not because I'm talking about like math essentially. And <clears throat> it doesn't really matter about people's opinions of my music because as long as the videos contain the math that people want to learn about, I it's that's it. That's the end of it. That's the draw. I don't have to advertise that. I don't have to like fake people into watching my videos because I actually have what they want. That's my that's like my marketing edge and is that particular like ridiculous deep dive I've done. By the way, I did this because I did once upon a time assume that the top level people were top level because of their ludicrous engineering jobs and when i couldn't figure out sound design and when there was no resource for sound design i was like well i guess i'm going to figure out all sound design from the beginning and that's when i did the whole like subtractive thing additive thing fm thing all that thing and like kind of just didn't stop that was that was why i did that and then i did realize quite a bit later that no nobody up there knows what they're doing and it's not really because they need to it's because again all the real separation comes from like how well they manage the business and then the actual act of making music is something they've streamlined to a T, like presets, construction kits, samples, like mills, mastering engineers, mixing engineers, all of it. And they have the money for it because the gigs pay. They pay hard. And like, as not, I'm not even really knocking the art of that anyway. They're still in control of that. It's still their songs. They're still making dope music. So who cares ultimately? But, but that is not to say that like, if you want to be your own guy, that you can succeed. If you want to be like your own, like artistically controlled individual, like if you are like the, the type a dude in the world, you might be able to do it. But if you're the kind of guy that just wants to make music and live your life, then that life ain't for you. That is not the world you want to go to. I'm telling you right now. That seems like the cruelest like like uh, well first off let me say i completely and utterly agree with you from what i've seen as well it's exactly what you're saying but that seems like the cruelest joke of all time at least in our lives you're given all this power to create music to create art that you that you can hear inside of your head that you feel inside of you but at the top the top what we consider the top like the top of the top it's not like that it's it's almost a completely different well it is a completely different ball game yeah that's so cruel why is this a thing? Well, okay. So ultimately, the, the, real, the real answer for all of it, because humans, why else? But but let me illustrate you a particular problem that exists with what happened with that guy, Carnage. I put up a video in defense of that guy. He did a, he did a tutorial video about how he makes his songs. It was bad. It was a bad tutorial. I'm not going to defend that. People started getting on his case about like being a bad producer and being and like immediately attacking him. My first thought was, okay, let me go listen to this guy's music. And like what I heard basically sounded exactly like what he did in that tutorial. My immediate response to that was... But that was right. That tutorial was exactly what he did. Like, and like people are getting on about like doing proper stuff, you know, not clipping, not, you know, doing the rules thing. And that's why he's not a good producer. I was just aghast by this opinion. Like, how can that possibly be public opinion of this? Like, have they heard his music? It's not that hard. That is how you do it. That's how it happens. I was in, I mean, it came out later that he absolutely does have ghost producers or whatever, but like what he was doing absolutely still could have done the music he did. It wasn't enough of a big difference that people need to be all like, hang him. Reaction they had is why the top never talks about how they do what they do because people have this ridiculous highfalutin idea of how hard music is and when they get shown that it's not when they get shown that what what's happening up there can be done by a teenager with a laptop they get mad they get really mad and so that's why nobody has ever talked about that stuff that's why djs don't talk about how easy djing is all that junk it's a huge it's not even really about secrecy it's about that people are just rabid idiots about it how high can you climb before you start getting tainted by the top the really that 
top is really only the top if you want to play the big game, if you want to be the headliner. However, there is kind of another path there. It's just unbelievably difficult and absolutely not for everybody, which is that you just are so good that they have to have you, that they come to you. It's a little bit like what my plan was when I started trying to learn about sound design. I was just like, okay, I suck at selling things. I'm a terrible salesman. I'm bad at like playing the dude, the dude guy game. Never once like putting on a different color shirt. I've, I'm a, I'm a techie through and through. I am not a, a front of stage kind of guy. I have to essentially compensate for that by like having exactly what people want so that like when they eventually who are they going to call? It's going to be me. That's the kind of thing that like I, I've been tired of pieces myself into. And like that is a little bit easier with my little niche that I carved out for myself than what I was just describing, which is trying to break into the actual market by doing ludicrous things that no one else can do. And it ain't going to be to make the next trance anthem. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what. Is there anyone that's at the top, like the top of the top that you personally believe that isn't tainted by the business or, or anything like that? Well, the thing is, is that like those guys up there are all beautiful engineers. Like, like I talk about BT, like this guy knows that's more true. about the business business than anybody, but he's also just a crazy engineer. And it's not even like that you can't, they're not engineers or you can't be an engineer. That none of that needs that. The popular stuff has gotten so easy and easy to be easily made. And like this was, this is also just like a fault of technology. We can do things now that would have cost millions of dollars in the 90s to do just what we're doing right now. It's a little bit insane, the capacity that, that just like a phone has to just make bangers. It's getting a little real. I, I've been talking to actually like around five years ago, I kind of talked about there being a massive bubble about this kind of thing. And like the bubble is, is defining itself when you see when you see things like film scoring score portal mills where people go to like there's just a done score that some guy did with like MIDI and Hollywood Orchestra stuff and it sounds like a John Williams tune and it costs like $30. Like a while ago one of my tracks got ripped off by a guy who copied it. This is the chain. Let me explain the chain to you. This is how you know there's a bubble. This is a guy who opened up FL, saw my sometime project and made minor adjustments and turned it up into like a kind of like a bar scene piece of music and put it up on some mill like some like portal where it's like here get scores now kind of thing and like then some dude who was like the third assistant to some sound engineer for an actual movie studio saw that and was like good mind take and that ended up in like some straight to Netflix like horror flick that I had no part of that was not part of at all the chain that would have been necessary to like make a suit for that work is that I would have to sue the studio and then the studio sues the engineer and then the engineer sues the portal mill and then the portal mill sues the guy that actually ripped off my thing how is it that there's like seven people in the way of having made the thing and then it being in the thing that it's made for like that is a bubble if I've ever seen one so stepping back a little bit and the inverse to the question that I asked previous to this looking at the totality of your career what has been your absolute favorite thing and the thing that you've loved the most about your your career blowing people's minds never gets old and like it's not even really stuff that I expected to be mind-blowing that usually is the thing like the things that I don't try very hard on ends up being like people are like that do that forever and I'm just like whatever and then the thing that I'm like here's 50 hours of one sound and people are mm. so like I have I've, not, I've, I've given, up, given up trying to gauge what's going to go down good you know whatever but the general usually it's like like I open up a patcher and people people are like and I'm just like hey, that's just the top page and like this isn't even my final form and like I, I love it <laughs> I try to be modest about stuff but like I, I, I am not necessarily continuously disappointed with people but I am still a little miffed about like you know my 2005 self thinking very high level things about like what being a producer was going to be like and then a lot of people who are at that stage come to me and I, they're like oh how, here's the sound I've been trying to figure it out for like two years and it's like a, an oscillator sync kind of thing with like a saw wave and I, they, I do it and I'm like oh here you go like two moves of a thing and on a piece of serum and it's done and they're like how did you do that <laughs> and I'm just like come on man what do you feel like is the most mind-blowing moment that you have contributed to so far there was there were a couple of like how to bases that were like people really like kind of went went over like kind of crazy over um some of the earlier ones were nice because those were like no one had ever heard of anything even close to that before then like later I started hearing it and like high-level tracks and I'm just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> that felt pretty good. That I'll, I'll tell you, that was it was Hadabase Nine. That was around when I did the uh, the the Skrillex uh, Bundem re- remix competition, and I used that particular re- the stuff I was talking about, the hammer resampling. And then that video was the first time that I really like kind of like flexed it. I was like, here's the beginning, and here's the result, and people were just like, how? And I'm like, I'm gonna tell you how. And then like that's how like flying subscribers were created. It feels good, man. Yeah. You know, I I try not to like talk up myself a bit, but that stuff happened, and it was good. Again, looking into the totality of your career 
are you pleased with where you're at and how things have evolved over time yeah well like it's weird because when i first started out and it's weird to pinpoint like when i even decided like this is a thing i'm gonna do because it's just a bunch of steps of stuff that just kind of added up to like okay i guess i'm doing this but like when i did kind of like sit down and be like okay well what's an actual like life goal kind of thing like what do i care about what do i want and it's always been kind of like a, i like to sustain myself doing a thing that doesn't suck and like i also had a couple of other goals i had like uh there was a particular video game that i liked a lot um descent and descent 2 from the 90s i was always like actually if you go listen to those two two, two games uh soundtrack you could kind of hear a pretty big influence in my own work i was like oh how cool would it be to score a video game or, or even to score like a new descent like i thought about that a lot and then i'm like oh well, how cool would it be to have projects inside fls as, as demo files because like that's how you know you really like get there like the software i'm using is like showing me up. oh how cool would it be like x y and z and i just kind of knocked all that off it just happened like i've, I've hit like a lot of my goals it's weird i believe i'm 30 this year and like i just hit i, I have a sustainable career i i did that thing i said like i very unfortunately did work on a new descent game that sucks i'm sorry you guys working on that game i'm sorry it could have been so much better i'm sad i'm glad you i'm glad that you guys tried any of you ever hear this i'm glad you guys tried but like it wasn't it wasn't for me that's also kind of characterizes having achieved a lot of my goals including interacting at all with the high level industry and determining that a lot of it sucks and then it kind of shifted away from being like okay well how do i continue to like hit all these rungs or whatever and like do the next level it is like how long can i sustain doing this dopeness i'm doing right now as long as i don't do something colossally stupid it should be for a while if you could start your life over but retain all the knowledge and wisdom you woke up tomorrow and you're a baby but you still remembered everything and knew everything that you know right now what would you do differently growing up and with your career decisions and everything okay so i would be a really dangerous person to do that with and here's why kind of like the thing i can do now that i've done what i've done for so long is if you put literally any kind of reference in front of me i can recreate it at least enough i could tell you at least how to do the thing that they did even if i can't like get the last 10 percent of the, making it literally sound identical i can still do a pretty good job i listened i have listened to the music i'm a kind i'm the kind of guy that listens i like to listen to stuff billions of times like i've listened to the same albums over and over again and what i'm getting at is that if i come into this world 20 years before pendulum has released any of their stuff or prodigy has released any of their stuff or skrillex or noisia or any of these guys have released any of their stuff i me as a five-year-old are gonna is gonna blow everyone's mind and uh, like i will not be merciful i was born in 1988 so like the 90s are coming and like jungle was around so that means that they're, they're ready they're ready for this to come and it's gonna happen and like music will never be the same you would take all the techniques all the knowledge that you have on all you know the pre the pre skrillex the pre noise and all that kind of stuff and basically beat them at their own game before they even knew they were playing their own game kind of a lot of these guys didn't have careers or even knew each other or like skrillex was in like a punk band or something so here's the hard part is that like it would be it would be still pretty hard for me because this is the 90s so there's no fl studio there's no there's barely any kind of daw there's only ridiculous hardware which means that i'm gonna have to go to some studio somewhere and convince them that i know what i'm talking about that that won't be that hard because i can like even with hardware i can whip out like a house donk like in four seconds and like that's gonna i don't know how popular that was back then but like that that should be enough of a credential you know what i mean and then I'm, i'll have to work on some i'm gonna have to use hardware samplers i'm gonna have to use tape it's gonna suck but i'll do it and it'll wreck people you'll, you'll hear a vocoded skrillex growl in like 1993 what's the deepest thought that you've had in the last year well i'm pretty sure i know how the universe began oh please do disclose this has to do a lot with gravity and time and also sort of the nature of what matter is so big bang happened and it created space and time and when people kind of forget about the whole space and time thing is that like you think about what a black hole does and like what, it, what it, how it like slows time or whatever to the horizon that kind of thing and it does that with tremendous gravitational stress you can imagine what the gravitational stress of literally everything in the universe together all at once is happening what, what that could possibly be like onto something and like, of course if that were to break it that would just make time but here's the weirdness is that without time and without the big bang there was no matter it wasn't like a little it wasn't like an actual black hole with like stuff in it there was no stuff because the stuff is a result of the big bang the stuff didn't didn't explode out in the big bang the thing the the, the energy the point of energy that blew up actually is what created matter because matter if you br break it all the way down to atoms and like what well, atoms are made of or whatever little tiny little fractalized rivulets of energy like when you look at like jupiter you see the big ass hurricane and you see the smaller hurricanes or whatever like big energy makes waves of energy and like if you a hard enough big enough most ridiculous enough put out of energy creates hard enough high frequency enough because again high frequency stuff is a high power thing makes it so that atoms are doing all that because everything's fields you know touching stuff not really touching so like that those fields are the energy thing happening but if that's the case how could there have been a gravitational distress to cause time and space to break in the first place well this is because 
because without matter in space, the space collapsed into the geometric point. And uh, you've heard the whole the term geometric point thrown around, and that couldn't have been the thing if there was matter as we understand it to be in it, but that's because matter wasn't active yet. But if all of 3D space was collapsed to the one point, that meant that the potential for everything, everything that could have, that everything that is, even though there wasn't anything in there, all that was there, that also meant that all gravity was there. And that's where the distortion happened, the snap happened, and then the energy break, and now matter and time. How did you figure this out? I want to point out that, like, I don't know thing one about quantum physics, and some people have, I've, I've talked about some people about this, and a lot about what I'm saying could just be hilariously incorrect on its face at a really basic level, but that is what I feel like it happened without having done any real research. I had a, I had a bit about how, um, so you know what a temporal paradox is? Like, like in a Terminator, how, like, um, where did that picture of uh, what's-her-face come from? Because, like, he brought the picture back, but it was a picture of her, and that's where he, that's where she got the picture to give to him. Oh, so I where see, the fuck did it come from? Like, that's a temporal paradox, where, like, some because of time travel some stuff is like out of a loop or whatever and the thing about the way time actually works is that time travel like that is impossible multi-universe stuff like that is impossible and a lot of that is because if stuff like that were to even become close to happen temporal phase cancellation would take place if it's not there that it didn't exist and so it doesn't exist thing happens and that just doesn't exist it just didn't happen kind of a thing i liken this to um I, i mentioned i mentioned phase cancellation and like i called it kind of like temporal band limiting because like in digital sampling the nyquist frequency is what's half the sample rate and the the, the math that figures out what is supposed to be the right the waveform to put out there, despite the high frequency being beyond the sample points like girth, is because it knows what the band limit is, that the thing can't create a frequency higher than a particular limit of a band. Um, the speed of light, for example, was determined by the nature of the Big Bang because of the way energy comes out. The hard, How hard the energy came out is essentially like the thing that determined how fast light could be in the first place. And that also has to do with what I mentioned before about the multi-universe thing not working out because really, really simply, just think about and then again, this kind of breaks apart with the quantum stuff but think about billiard balls thing hits another thing and the other thing hits another thing and the idea of multiverse is that like what if that thing did the thing and then some other things but like if the thing hit the other thing the first place and it's a different thing that happened you have to move everything that happened before it all the way back to the big bang that's temporal band limiting i'll tell you what like, did your brain hurt when you when you think about these kinds of things or is it just natural i get bored this is still just stupid pontification on my part i don't have a degree i don't know what i'm talking about are you still doing the metal thing or is that is that no more no no those guys are all doing different stuff now uh, moved away and such uh, we were a band for, since like 2010 until like 2000 um, around 2016-ish yeah mm-hmm. we played some pretty big shows and like those are pretty good like actually like the biggest actual performance performances I've ever done were with the metal band I've, I've done stuff as seamless but I haven't really done a lot of like going to do seamless shows you know do you have any desire to go back and do the metal stuff or are you just primarily in the electronic field now I don't really want to do the metal thing anymore like it's um, it's fun like I'll make metal stuff but it'll be by myself like the band thing isn't really for me you more so just like doing things on your own that's, that's the big lure with electronic musicians right is that you can do everything on your own right yeah and when i ask like you know i'm not trying to be like what is the value of other people like the the when you ask about like you know getting a drummer and like doing all these like i actually am going to buy the setup like i had this idea to set up um some live stuff in here but just for me i'm not going to go places with it that's just a hassle and a half and like i don't rate the kind of money that i would need to do that for now no i'll stick to streaming you mentioned that you basically you know you had you had your goals at the very beginning you just like all of a sudden started taking them off and you're like whoa this is like i'm actually taking them off like pretty pretty relatively quickly so what's the what's the goals now what's what's the goals you're trying to take off now well it's mostly just about increasing sustainability like it's a kind of a boring adult response but it is the response the goal for the youtube channel has always been to kind of like increase increase kind of a get a critical mass that i can i can appreciate over time that like could be live on its own just kind of do its thing and like the difficulty with that is that the stuff doesn't always stay relevant like the, the tone of what people want to learn about has changed over the years like in the beginning in the 2012 time i happened to be in like the perfect storm of like what people want to know about and like i know for myself that like the same stuff that i'm doing is still the stuff that people are getting out of like the future based craze just lighter like not not as much distortion and compression and filtering but still the same basic stuff but like unless i tell people that they don't think i can do that they don't think that that's on my channel and that means that i have to make things that are specifically that and i i guess gotta i gotta pay attention to trends in that regard i I gotta i still have to have what people want to learn how to do um if i want to still be relevant my goal is really just to learn as much as i can i am thinking about learning more does getting on getting on um, ableton and like reason and that kind of thing just so i can i can be more helpful to people who are not fl users i've had plenty of lessons with people who aren't fl users but it can help for me to be like also to have mechanical knowledge of their dog because that's oftentimes the limitation newer people have is not really just not knowing their tools i mean is there still any desire to do your own musical project and uh, like actually have like a quote-unquote traditional music career you kind of like so tainted from the knowledge of the top you're like nah man i'm just gonna do whatever i want when i want it's a little bit that but 
it's also like it's a bit difficult for me to focus on music as a concept just because the only reason like i'm not gonna i'm pretty much not gonna sell music anymore like i'll still make music but i'm not gonna sell it like it'll be available for free and then i'll sell the projects because like that's my draw as like a as like a business but music has never really been that serious for me as like a thing it just happened to be the thing i can do it, because because my parents started me where i where i did and because like the opportunities that were available to me were like music flavored and i had that kind of i had that like key available to me i really didn't have a total choice and like the, the acquisition of those particular skills which is not to say that i hate it that i'm like i hate music brr. but like i like the engineering a lot more i like like the, how the things are done and like which is why i'm perfectly fine to let people just have everything i know to go do their own thing because like i am not going to focus on the music as hard as they will pretty much at all so do you feel like you're you're quote unquote using layman's terms like your passion more so is just the love and the drive that comes from learning something and learning something that you're interested in is that what you're saying yeah pretty much and like you know this manifests pretty clearly in my music because all the tracks that i like the best that were the best tracks that like some of the best ones that I performed were all ones that i just snapped out immediately because it was just some thing i was learning how to do it was centered around a, a technique or a plug-in or a concept that was new to me that i was i was experimenting with that a track sort of formed around like those are the ones that end up being like the real pieces of music for me and the errors because they were focused on what i actually care about which is the engineering new music is really just like a vehicle for me to experiment with things yeah. and like that's kind of why i see my my tracks as like teaching aids more than you know looking at everyone you know students and, and and people in the industry and everything what do you see people doing that is the biggest waste of time potential resources that you just look at and you're like oh if you just stop that you'd be on the right path you'd be doing the right you know you you could understand this, you'd be growing the way that you want to be. Well, the problem with that particular like opinion is that it's a it's a bit of a self-centered one. And like I will absolutely say I'm not free of it. I totally do have opinions on some things that are like that. But like as I got older, I definitely saw that like wasting time about that kind of stuff isn't exactly what that sounds like. It's a massive waste of time. It's because other people are gonna like other stuff and that's gonna be that. But I'm gonna point out to anything, it's gonna be big room house. Like that in particular. See, here's the thing. Like I, I really this was like on the cusp of me like this 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 stuff tested me i was this was on the cusp of me having this realization that other people are entitled to their opinions then animals happened and it was really popular and it was a nice track it was a bit minimal i didn't really think it was all that special but hey people like to dance so that's nice and then like pendulum started doing it like with the knife party stuff like they like they started putting that crap in there and then like other artists that i followed started putting that crap in there and then like i noticed i noticed that like a lot of really big guys that were doing lots of really nice stuff that i liked <clears throat> really only doing that because it happened to be popular at the time and that like once big room happened and then festival trap happened and now bridge base is happening like they're just following it right along and i don't really see that as a waste of potential because everything's got to evolve you know everything's got to like you can't skrillex didn't keep doing skrillex like he let zomboy keep doing skrillex so like that i, I actually kind of felt a little personally betrayed by that actually when was it after bangerang what did he even do there was an album he did that was just full of like a bunch of light stuff that i was just like why as like a kind of like hungry kid for that kind of thing i'm just like well, how would you deep like i didn't perceive there to be an end to like the potential for that kind of thing but like we never do the consumers have no concept of what it took to create the things who knows if that was like the last ditch effort the last breath of a years of research that couldn't possibly be replicated like that's like not something that we're privy to but they do they know when the things are done and when they're dead and that they liked it enough and it worked well enough they'd keep doing it the internalization and the the measuring of one's value to others opinions is the great fall of music producers is that what you're saying it's just what happens with when art and cap Capitalism meet with the idea that like because if consider what consider what like composers and stuff were like back in the day they they were paid to do with that like on commission level but by, by like the governments like the, this is where the term patronage come from the idea that like art is inherently not a very lucrative thing but it's awesome and we want it so we're going to like essentially break capitalism by paying for it unnecessarily and then like as modern times happen technology happens the idea that like the art itself could actually be the vessel from for the creation of value that you can use that to like also sustain it is a very modern thing like a couple hundred year kind of thing and we're seeing i think kind of in, I, I i hesitate to call it late stage because that that uh posits the idea that it ain't gonna get worse basically like it's that this is why i was saying before about how like the music doesn't matter it's everything else about it because like that's what happens when the commodity becomes popular of any, any kind of commodity whether it's art or not, honestly do you feel like there is a theoretical situation where art and capitalism can not only coexist, 
but harmoniously exist where they build off of each other and they just keep going up. Well, that kind of thing is like sort of what Patreon's about because remember that like whole middleman nonsense we're talking about, like Patreon removes middleman, which is always a big shot in the arm to like low level, not top end producer kind of people of any kind of in, in, in any industry. So that as long as like that kind of stuff, like Kickstarter kind of started that idea, the idea that like a large project could be financed directly from consumers. And that's a modification of the capitalist idea because and which is entirely born of technology because in, in the past, the whole network of middlemen thing was mostly because you needed them to like transport stuff and like send letters and the managers, the agents, those people, which are, are important when you're at like the really high level where like an entire person's worth of work exists for them at our level. No, 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 no. That is a large waste of money. And those people exist at this level because there's so many of them because the bubble is so dense that they have to go further and further down the chain to get work. So with everything that's going on with your career right now, we talked about your future goals that you want to achieve and everything. So sustainability is the big goal right now, at least right in the foreseeable future. More sustainability. Is that what you would say? Yeah, more sustainability. And also to quote uh, Mr. Bill, uh, do more dope stuff. So why Seamless? Why the name Seamless? I know the whole Seamless R and the R is silent thing, but like what, why Seamless? Seamless was a video game tag I, I chose. And like my name, the Seamless came about when I started playing Half-Life 2 Deathmatch. Still like my number one favorite FPS multiplayer shooter. Seamless, I had a bunch of names. Like eventually Seamless was the one I, I, I landed on. And around that time was when I got good enough that I started recording footage and making frag videos. And that was when I made a, my YouTube channel in 2008. And um, none of those videos exist up there. Like they're all unlisted and stuff. But like if you go way, way, way back, you might find some. But that's where Seamless the word came from. R came from when I started trying to make accounts with the word seamless because this is 2008 and this is the internet so everything that's a real word is already taken the go-to kind of thing is like what you see on my facebook page like the official thing right you go seamless official or seamless music or producer like all that really stuff and that just just felt so dumb so i was like i need seamless you know what r for you know it's the real i'm the real seamless that's it all right seamless r that's, that, that's what's happening why did you cut the beard why did the beard get cut what happened to the beard man well i miss soup can't have soup and a beard well, you can't and like a foot and a half long beard. Like you can have like a beard, but it got, I don't know if you've ever had like long hair. Long hair comes with its own particular challenges, but it's behind you. It's in your back. You're, you're no. All right. Like that got to be an issue. Like a lot. Okay. Like in my keyboard, I couldn't play guitar. It got caught in doors. Have you ever had your face pulled off? Cause I have. So no, no more beard. That's, that's out. The, that's out the window. Like it only got that long. Cause that was just unbelievably lazy. And, and then, and then y'all got really into it. Like people, the viewers were just like, the dude with the beard, wizard. And it's like, wow, okay. Again, a step I didn't expect to make that. Now I guess I'm wizard branded. I even cut it more than once. That was the second time. This is the second time I cut it. I had, there's a video up there the last time I cut it to a drum and bass remix of the Cowboy Bebop theme I made. Do you eat a fair amount of soup, man? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, regular food was pretty well, like, affected, too, let me tell you. What's the gnarliest story with or when, when your beard was long? I mean, you talked about, like, cotton doors. I mean, what's the craziest thing that happened with it? I've fallen asleep at shows, and my bandmates have, like, put, like, like ping pong balls in there that I wouldn't have found for, like, a half a day. Like, because I can't feel it. It's not heavy. I can't see it. Like, until I go, like, pet my beard and, like, it's at a ping pong ball. And I'm like, <laughs> do you miss it? Do you miss it at all? Not really. I really don't. Like, I'll tell you what, though. It was a lot of fun. Like, I have, I have really curly beard hair. And, like, my, my really, my big beard is curly. But I have a straightener. And, like, a hair straightener works out of the beard when it's that long. And uh, it actually looks kind of dope. It looks like a, like, like an actual, like, kind of, like, wizard, like, looking at, like, beard kind of thing. With the hair, especially, like, it all kind of comes together to what I refer to as Omni hair. <laughs> I can't handle this, man. Final question for you. Did you have a good time? I did. Who do you want to have come on to the show, man? Let's see. Um, have you already done a virtual riot? No, I would love to have Valentin? Valentine? Valentine? I'm not totally sure how to pronounce that as I am unsure of the language of origin. But yes, that guy. I mean, can I always try to hit up Skrillex. I'm sure he'd be real interesting to talk to. I'll try and hit up Skrillex. I'll see what he has to say about the top, man. Yeah. He's been there. He, he is the top. He cool. carved it out of the Grammys. I'll tell you what, though. Coming up soon is going to be when I open up the registration for the sale lessons that happen during July every year. Because um, right now, my lessons are at the most expensive they've ever been at 150 bucks an hour. Oh, dang. Uh, yeah, which is actually still pretty cheap. Like, I know some people do it for like 300, 400, 500. So, like, you know, the sale is going to come around and I'm going to put that right in half. And people want to get lessons. That'll be the time to do it. That's amazing. Guys, $150 an hour truly is not that much. When I was learning social media marketing, there 
there's people on the low end who wanted $500 an hour. So $150 an hour from a dude like Seamless, beard or no beard, is totally good. You guys should hop on that. That's pretty much it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Seamless. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for coming in, from listening, from partaking of the wisdom. We'll see you back here next week on Behind the Daw. If you have any questions about this, please let me know. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. And as usual, have a nice day.